Like, imagine somebody trying to get a ticket on Ticketmaster for like Taylor Swift concert. Mm-hmm. We've heard stories. They're crazy. Right? Like people are trying to get these tickets. Now imagine that for people who are trying to save their lives. Hi. Hello. How are you? Welcome to the Habituation Room podcast show stream thing. I'm so happy to have you here. Good people. Uh, we have such a good show. Holy moly. And I know you're like, we well, you always say that, but I actually really mean it this time. Every other time I've been lying. Except if you are listening and you have yourself been on this show. <laughs> I am very tired, so I'll get into why, but I'm super excited because um, two amazing women uh, in their respective fields, Ida Rodriguez, comedian, writer with a new book out, uh, is here for, again, she's been here, but she's back. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to get into uh, Ron DeSantis, um, just sort of crying uncle with Disney. Uh, We're not going to talk about Trump that much, but I do want to give a little bit of an update because, of course, things are unfolding as we speak. Um, A tragic murder of someone who dared uh, display a pride flag outside of their business. We'll talk about that. But then Eric Andiola of the Youth Center for Immigrant Children's Rights is here, uh, formerly of Raices. But Eric is going to break down what is going on. With the Biden administration and immigration, right, there has been a massive drop in border crossings. What is that due to? And yet you've got Greg Abbott and DeSantis and other, you know, sort of Republican villains sending children on buses to so-called blue states. Of course, we'll talk about why that's all a big fat lie as well. Um, You know, those kids are dying on the way there. So let's let's get into it. And I think the next few weeks, in fact, um, we've got author and activist Roberto Lovato, who's going to be on the show next week. We're going to get into like some like uh, immigration policy slash U.S. foreign policy in Latin America like stuff this August. So I'm excited uh, to throw down with Erica. I'm excited to throw down with Ida. Uh, and I'm excited to throw down with you all. So, hey, whatever you're doing right now, stop, click the like button, share it the stream to your people. If you're listening as a podcast, you give this podcast five stars. If you want to be part of the Frantifa and you want to support this show and all the people that we have on and sort of this labor of love, of comedy, of activism, of of left theory sometimes, um, become a patron. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room is where you go to do that. You get access to all kinds of perks. You get watch back and listen back privileges to the bonus bish, which is every Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. You get a cute little RSS icon, uh, RS, separate RSS feed with a cute little rainbow icon. Um, again, there's a back catalog in there. You get 20% off merch. You get discounts on the American Prospect, uh, which is uh, just such a great magazine that everyone should check out because this month they have a whole deep dive on uh, the privatized healthcare industry. Um, so get at those perks, support this show. In the meantime, five bucks a month, 10 bucks gets you the shout out and a lot of love from me. You can also become a member on YouTube and a member on Twitch. 
get you a lot of the same privileges, but not all of the same privileges. Okay? So, patreon.com slash bituation room. Um, before I go on, though, I also want to mention Matt Lieb and I are going to be in San Francisco on Tuesday, October 17th at the Punchline. Uh, we're co-headlining. It'll be fun. It's a one-nighter. It'll be a cute. So come out, get your tickets, support us uh, and our child. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a there's a link right now. Uh, it should be in the podcast description as well as the YouTube description. So um, just Google Live Nation Francesca Fiorentini or Matt Lieb if you want, whatever. Uh, so that'll be super, super fun. Come out. Maybe we can all like, you know, have drinks. I don't know. There's no real place to have drinks there, but you know, you get, get them at the punchline. It's fine. Anyway, um, with all that said, you can also tip the show TBR dash live on Venmo TBR live on cash app and let's get into it. This is what are you bitching about? So very briefly, uh, truly briefly, um, a lot of people tell me, like, Francesca, I think it's so great that you're just, like, really honest about being a mom and how hard it is. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how parents are supposed to not constantly run our mouths about how difficult and overtired and underslept and ridiculous children are. Like, like, and the fact that we were all small and or, and or like, horrible toddlers, just, like, assholes, you know? That we were, some of us are still assholes, you know, but like, it just blows my mind. And so I'm bitching about the fact that, uh, and I don't know if I've bitched about this before because I'm so tired and that's sort of the point that I'm at, but we took a vacation, if you can call it that, met up with a bunch of friends in outside of Sacramento. So we drove up from Los Angeles, drove from Los Angeles. Now this is all because taking a baby on a plane is a lot of work. It's also expensive. I prefer to get the baby her own seat. It's not safe to just have a kid on your lap. Also, my kid does not like being held very much, blah, 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 blah. Very independent spirit. The point is this, if you want to just drive, right? It's like five and a half hours. It's not a big deal. I've done it before. It's six and a half, seven up to Sacramento, but we, we got in last night. We've been leaving at night. Okay, this is what I'm actually bitching. We've been leaving at night. Uh, so uh, we left at 7, which is her bedtime. And she basically slept the whole way and cried a little bit. And I got we got in at midnight. And, of course, then I had to, like, nurse her and whatnot. And, of course, what time do I wait? does she wake up in the morning? 6 in the morning. So I have had about, like, five and a half hours. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And... Um, here's what I'm bitching about. This is a massive state. Okay. California is huge. Why are the only options driving in a tropical storm or flying, right? Like flying all of the things that are difficult about flying with a baby. You guys know that also all of the horrible things about flying, you know, it's, it's terrible. Even sh the short distance flights are the worst in terms of like fossil fuel emissions and whatnot. Also the price. And then driving, just like having your body like cramped for five and a half hours, like hoping the baby's okay. Listening to the same like ba stop baby crying music mix on loop for five and a half fucking hours. Eating leftovers that my like mom just threw into my bag as I was out the door that I'm like quietly trying to unwrap the fucking tinfoil. Like, oh, hope the baby doesn't. Like, like, why don't we have trains? 
why are there not high speed rails in this state? Yes, there's some trains, but if you want to take it, it's like, if you want like a, let's say you want a sleeper train. Yes, I know. I'm asking for a lot. Sorry. I just thought we lived in a modern fucking nation. But if let's say you want a sleeper train and you want to go from like LA to SF, it's like $5,000. It's so much money. It's like a once in a lifetime thing. It might be a little bit less than that, but I know from here to Seattle is like that. The East Coast has a lot more trains, other places around the country. I don't know. If you're in Canada, I think you've got trains. If you're in Europe, congratulations. But trains are so much easier with kids because you can move around and you can have your space. And it's not too, I mean, it shouldn't be that expensive. You're not cramped. My God, it's the year 2023 and we don't have trains because we can't have, it's so ironic how under capitalism we have so many nice things and yet we can't have anything nice. You know what I mean? We got all the cute stuff. You can buy all the fucking shit you want. You can look cute. But at the end of the day, you don't have a goddamn train to take a nice three-hour ride. I'm not asking for an hour. I'm, I know it'll be three hours. That's fine. Take a nice three-hour ride at an affordable rate. And you don't have to, like, switch to a bus. Because now if you buy an Amtrak ticket, it's so fun. They're like, oh, BT dubs, half of this is a bus ride. Fuck you. All right? Fuck you. I'm done. I'm sorry. With that, I want to bring in to the room actress, comedian, producer, and activist. Her special, Fighting Words, is out on HBO Max. And if you have not seen this special, you are missing out. It is so funny and so real. And just this is the person who I like, man, if I ever get the chance to make a show, she's on it. Ida Rodriguez with a new book out called (laughs) Legitimate Kid, which is actually out on the 17th as well. Hey! Hi! Hi! <laughs> I was listening. I felt your rant. Your uh, <laughs> your rant on the deepest <laughs> of levels. <laughs> like, and, and I travel by train a lot on the East Coast. Yeah. So I come. Yeah. When I when I'm going between DC and Philly and New York, yeah, I jump on the train. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So. And it's about the same. It's more money, correct? No, you know the Am- the Amtrak. I get some good deals. Like really? I'll, it's. Is cheaper for me, uh, yeah, than to have to deal with the hassle of the airport. Um, absolutely. No, totally, totally. Well, please, let's switch it up. What are you bitching about, Ida? Welcome back to the show. So good to see you. <laughs> it's going to be very self-serving. Um, I'm going to bitch about pre-sales, uh, pre-orders of books. There we People go. don't want to order. <laughs> So, you know, the funny thing is, and I'm, I'm going to be speaking to some people specifically, there's this big call for diversity and inclusion that they've been pretending that they've been calling for for a long time. They have people who have whole job titles and publishers, you, know, you, you mean call public publishers in the television world, in the film world. I mean, in entertainment, please just in general. Right. But the thing is, you know, then we look at the numbers and it's like, People don't want to order books. Mm. Well, guess how Guess how you get more authors that look like you is when you support them. They count book sales from pre-orders until the first Saturday after the book comes out. That's what counts towards the bestseller list. That's what opens up the opportunities to write more books and to also go out looking for people who look like you, who have a voice like you, to give them opportunities because it shows that we sell. Right. So, um, you know, it's been very difficult, uh, you know, to 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 have to face and hear people say, yeah, Latinos, black people, they don't really buy books in advance, which I know is not true. I know it's bullshit. 
nobody buys books in advance because how many people are reading books anymore? Exactly. So I just want to, um, I want to encourage people to, when you say you want more diversity and inclusion, when it comes to people of color, when it comes to queer people, you have to show up for them when they are present, even if their story is not your exact story. It, it makes way for more stories to be opened up. So to open up. So I'm just bitching about that. Um, I'm tired of hearing about all the stuff that we don't do and how we don't show up and what, you know, where we fall short because I know it's not true. Yeah. 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 um, It's an interesting, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not easy. You know, I remember, was it Billy Eichner who, when he came out with his like rom-com that was like a gay rom-com, he kind of like blamed like, he was like, well, you know, it's because straight people don't want to watch like like gay rom-coms. And I was like, I don't know if that's like, I think mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what it was. You know what I mean? So I feel like mm-hmm. there was a line there to walk where it's like you want all people who are both allies, but also from communities to like stop talking yes. about like we need more X, Y and Z and start doing it. Like just buy it, yeah. go out and support, go, you know what I mean? And be like the champions of these stories, too. Um The onus should not be on us. We we learned all of American history against our will. (laughs) We learned (laughs) everything about (laughs) America and and the ruling class against our will. We have sat through, uh, you know, watched Standard of Beauty and history and the heroes and all of the people who planted the flag. We learned all of that. So if you are a true ally, then you go out and buy my book, buy Leslie Jones's book, yeah. buy um, Julissa Alcerraya's book. You go and uh, you you go and you learn about the different experiences. These are the people that you say you want to include at the table. Then learn about them so that they and, and grant them their full humanity. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm just you know, bitchy. Also, the literary world is very pompous, and a yes. lot of them, you know, are a little bit you know, they can be a little bit snobby and that's not my energy. So I'm just, I just want to tell those fake ass bitches, like, (laughs) I don't want to be your friend. I don't have to sit with you because y'all are corny. Uh, Nobody is better than anybody, whether you have all the degrees or no degrees, we are all uh, we, uh, a natural disaster comes. None of us want to read. That's how we. No, I, yeah. I look. I love. Especially when it's well. First of all, I'm definitely getting this book. Number one, I can't wait to read it. Um, but I love like. I I mean that's I gobble this shit up. A funny memoir? Are you kidding me? That's the best. That is like, that's all the things. Um, so I can't wait. And if and if it's anything like some of the stories you've told on your in your stand up you know it's going to be good. So legitimate kid, y'all. Everybody still reads. Let's do it. There's if you're if you're watching there's a QR code, but if not, the 17th, pre-order it now. Ida Rodriguez, legitimate kid. Um yeah, and uh yes, yeah, let's let's take the literary world by storm because I think they're not striking. It's <laughs> we can still write books and do stand up Ida. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> It's it's a very interesting world where, I mean, I feel like I'm in the upside down as they say in Stranger Things. It really, it really feels like, you know, hearing, um yeah, when you sit down and you think about people saying, you know, this is, this is what's the biggest threat against Americans. The greatest 
threat against Americans is corporations and the government. Like those are the people who hate us and don't want to see us eat vegetables that don't have pesticides or drink good water. I, I'm 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 in awe of where we are in society. So I can bitch on forever. So yeah. let's move on. Well, let, let's before we get into I have two stories that are not Trump related. The last two weeks, very difficult to have a weekly show here because, you know, there's always Trump news and it always floats to the top, you know, like a turd, which is what he is. So but there's a few Trump updates this week. He's going to be turning himself in, uh, supposedly, uh, on Thursday. He's announced he's turning himself in in the Fonnie Willis, uh, Georgia, Rico case. He's going to be held on $200,000 bond. He is definitely going to be fingerprinted and photographed. And I think there will be video in the courtroom, unlike these other federal cases my favorite update before I get your reaction is apparently um, uh, Mark Meadows' lawyers are like, could we just have a few more minutes or like a few more days to turn? Mark's not ready to turn himself in. Um, and and Fonnie Willis is like, no, I will be issuing like uh, a, a warrant. If you do not turn yourself in, this is going to go down. And uh I'm very excited. I, I can read a little bit of it. I think it's, I'm not granting extensions. I gave two weeks for your people to surrender, for people to surrender themselves to court. Your client is no different. The two weeks was a tremendous courtesy. At 12.30 p.m. on Friday, I shall fire warrants in the system. My team has availability to meet to discuss reasonable consent bonds Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> Good so, her. yeah. I mean, all of them. Ida, they're all going to be like, like, it's not just Trump. We're going to get all these stooges. What do you wear to court? What do you wear to court? <laughs> you, know, so, you know, it's so funny because it's in Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, Young Thug is in prison, in jail because of a RICO case. Yes. So they're going to be right there with, you know, they're right. They're walking the pathway <laughs> of Young Thug, which, you know, I mean, I feel like people, when they think of Young Thug, okay, he calls himself Young Thug. He's right. a rapper or whatever. But that's the image that a lot of these racist minds have of criminals and thugs. And now the people who look like them, the people they admire, that they worship, are going to be right there in the same place. Yep. And I think that that is hilarious. Absolutely. They should play some young thug music while they're being arraigned. They really should. I mean, look, if we can, it's just the most bizarre, like, strange bedfellows around, like, prison reform. If we can back, like, you know back time or like a reverse engineer getting real prison reform because the Trumpers, I mean, that's what they're trying to do. The January Sixers are like, oh my God, do you guys know how bad prisons are? And everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> you fucking idiots. And then the girl was like, I'm too blonde to jail. Remember that? So, huh. And the guy who wanted vegan food, remember he needed some vegan fare? Yes. I just <laughs> yeah. think, I think it's great. You know, I feel like Republicans through Trump criminals are really, trying to, you know, fight wokeism in the prison system. You know what I mean? Like all that wokeism and there's just adding representation and diversity. So yeah. I think that's great. <laughs> Good for them. There need to be more white faces, uh, more rich white I mean, faces represented. Diversity and inclusion, baby. <laughs> inclusion. Get that DEI program for, for Atlanta jails, um, for Fulton County jail. Woo, it's going to be good. Anyway, uh, it's going to be quite a week, but we have other things to do, so let's get into it. This is The Week Where. Okay, so you need updates 
in the pettiest fight possible between two of the most unlikable entities possible, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, and the Disney Corporation. And <laughs> this is one of those like let them fight moments. And I've definitely felt like I don't care about either of these people. But like Ron DeSantis has never, you know, written a hit that's made me like cry every time I hear it. You know, like if I hear a song from Pocahontas, all of the problems included, I'm like, oh my God, what is around the river bend? I don't know. You know, so. I'm going to side with Disney just generally, but also this is all stemming from the fact that Disney stood up against their don't say gay bill. And by stood up, I mean, they said they didn't like it. It's not like mm -hmm. they picked up and moved. It's not like they did anything really that harmful to Florida, but they said something. DeSantis didn't like it. And it seems like DeSantis this week is willing to just be like, oh, I'm cool. I'm done. We're, we're fine. We're fine. So... Again, this is after, let's see if Disney's going along with this, but here's what Ron DeSantis said in a CNBC interview about Disney. And he reveals something that I honestly didn't know about him. My wife and I, we got married at Walt Disney World, okay? And so it's not like we're, we're opposed. I mean, we've appreciated working with them over the years, but I would just say, go back to what, what you did well. I think it's yeah. gonna be the, the right business decision and all that. But where we are today, um, you know, we've, we've basically moved on. They're suing the state of Florida. They're gonna lose that lawsuit. So what I would say is, Drop the lawsuit. Just, just drop it. Um, I'm basically over it. I'm basically over it. Ida, he and his wife got married at Walt Disney World. I had no, like, what? So he's like a Disney boy. He's like a mega fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I... I the the you're gonna lose is where i stay because you know it's like when the cops kill somebody and then the cops investigate the cops right. to see if it's you know what i mean that's what i heard there when he said you're gonna you're gonna sue florida and you're gonna lose you had that man has that complex of you know you know he's trying to turn america into gilead but he is He's sitting there telling you you're gonna lose because I'm I'm judge, jury, and executioner. Like right. it's you're you're don't waste your time. Drop it and move forward. You can't win a lawsuit against Florida. I am Florida. Right. That's what I hear when I heard that. Absolutely. And they're trying to, they're also countersuing in federal court, which they may not lose yes. in, but it's true that yes. in locally. So just backstory or like what's going on right now. Disney's not having any of it. Disney's like, that's cool, Ron, that you guys are, you're past it. I'm not. Um, so in the case initiated by the Board of Supervisors picked by DeSantis to oversee Walt Disney World's special tax district, remember that's that reaction to their statement about hating the anti-gay bill is what kicked this all off. The entertainment giant on Thursday, this was last week, filed a series of counterclaims, including for breach of contract and violations of the Florida Constitution over its due process and free speech rights. Again, a corporation with free speech rights. It moved for damages and an order forcing the district to comply with the terms of the development agreements. All of those are like tax breaks and whatnot. Now, this is because after Disney kind of pulled the carpet from underneath the Florida Tourism Board, by changing the laws um, in, in the immediate surroundings of uh, Disney, Disney World, saying, like, actually, we don't have to abide by any of this board in the first place. Um, blah, blah, blah. Back and forth. There's just suits and countersuits, but it seems like they don't want to, like, Disney's not trying to let it go. 
Disney's like, Mm-mm, you, we're, we have damages. You've hurt us. You've hurt our, I mean, and in some ways, it's less about the like actual tax breaks and it's less about what the corporation is doing in Florida, which I can't imagine is, I don't like giving any corporation domain over fucking anything. Um, but it's also, I would think that like, it's about their brand. Like the brand is definitely, he's made this his thing for a year now. It's been nothing but Disney's woke. Disney's trying to turn your kids into, I don't know, transgender prison abolitionist which is like tight but you know (laughs) like that's what he's been saying and now all of a sudden he wants to take his foot off the brake and be like or gas and be like no i'm good no he can't have it yeah they have you know they have employees who are queer they have people who you know a great percentage of people who go there who have children who are queer and they have been attacking those people over and over again they appropriated the term woke from black activists that you know use that word for what for to fight for equity equality and justice and now they've turned it into this thing we've all i mean i've talked about it in in my comedy when i talk about performative wokeism but i just think that it, it they've done such a great disservice to a lot of people a lot of a, a lot of damages are done and disney regardless of where their heart is if they're good business people and they know who where their bread is buttered they have to they have to stand up for the people who work there and the people who go there and should be comfortable being there not feeling florida already has the worst marketing reps on the planet you know with twitter and netflix doing a whole show about a florida man there is there is just a whole you know the the marketing the whole marketing and promotions program over in in the florida section of the country is already you know very telling about a lot of the problems that dwell there disney is is has been separate from all that foolishness for all the time it's a place where people go with their families and those shouldn't have to feel weird about having their queer kids or being queer parents and having to feel uh, scared for their safety yes. above all things. Yeah, there's like know? travel warnings against going to Florida if yeah. you are gay. And it's just like, no, this is and you're totally right. I mean, the reason I say also let them fight is that, again, it's a massive corporation against Rhonda Santis. And yeah, one of them is a fascist an anti-gay fascist and the other one is like a a corporation that underpays horribly underpays everyone who works for them including cat i mean like you know people are on strike right now uh for better pay and for disney to comply um but also the park you know people work at the park the cast members who work at the park um so i don't really care but i'm also like i like corporations aren't going woke people are diverse mm-hmm. and also believe them. They are allies and they are also themselves part of the LGBTQ community. So corporations are going to go where people are saying, this is where I live. This is who I am. This is my, okay. this is like my shit, you know? And like, they're not going to buy your square ass, you know, let's go back to just doing Cinderella over a million times or like Snow White, you know? Although I guess now they're all mad because like maybe Snow White has more consent in her, her remake story and Latina, <laughs> which is like, uh-oh. But yeah. so here's my thing. DeSantis is losing. He's not going to be president. That's why he's doing this is because he's like, oh shit, this isn't working for me. Like 
turning on Disney hasn't worked. I'm being sued. The state of Florida is getting sued. I think Disney has a little bit more money than maybe this state does. And absolutely, I'm not going to be president. So I can't even use this as like a feather in my cap because I'm not even winning this fight. So I got to just go back and be man from Florida and get along with this massive corporation. I better fucking do it. Yeah. 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 No, things aren't lining up. There's something with him that it makes me feel like not that just he's disconnected, but I don't think he reads the cues. He can't read the room well, um, which is why he feels so, so there's like so much. It feels very surface. You don't really know how to what the way in is with him. Right. But I, I think that, you know, also in Florida, Florida gives a gets a bad rap. I, um, I grew up in Florida and there are a lot of people who are not on board with this. And, you know, people just like people think that California is all liberal and that everybody here is, you know, running around with a rainbow flag and whatever it is that they say that the ridiculous people say. Florida is not a state that is filled with everybody who is also, you know, hating gays and queer people and the LGBTQIA plus community, black people, brown people, mm -hmm. women, everybody is not pro, uh, pro life. It is a, it is a diverse place. And I think that a lot of people that are there, anybody who's smart and wants to have business there has to know well enough that everybody there is not a monolith. Yeah. So, you know, I, you're talking, it's just, it's really weird to see the hard how hard up he is about some of the things that that he is so fixated on but it, you know he's trying to take america back to that place as he said and yeah. that place is where it is racist sexist you know misogynist right <laughs> everything else you know absolutely he's like there was no problem with the crows being black in dumbo and the song of the south was a great film <laughs> Uh -huh. I like exactly. I we were, I was talking about with Matt whether it was racist that like all the hyenas in Lion King were like black and Latino, but then we realized like it was also in Africa, so maybe and like mm -hmm. Mufasa was James Earl Jones, so we're like TBD on that one. But Disney's not woke. Oh my god. Okay, I digress. Um, good luck, DeSantis. Uh, that'll be fun. It'll be cute to see how this, how all of this shakes out. Let's move on, though, because uh, speaking of uh, California isn't liberal, uh, this was the week mm -hmm. where a man, a coward, um, a psycho, uh, shot a California business owner, Lori Carlton, who's the mother of nine, and she was a business owner in Lake Arrowhead. She had, like, a, a clothing store. Um, that had also run as a shelter during hard times, uh, a massive storm in Lake Arrowhead. Um, she was shot because she dared display a pride flag outside of her store. She did this for, I believe, years. And increasingly, it had been, um, you know, vandalized, removed, and she kept on coming back. She kept on buying a new one, and she kept on putting it back. But um, here's more of the story. She was shot and killed Friday by a man who first made quote, several disparaging remarks about a rainbow flag that stood outside the store, San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department officials said in a news release. Uh, a single bullet hole punctured the glass entrance to Carlton's store, Magpie, and solemnly greeted the cortege of mourners dropping off flowers and more rainbow flags. It clearly shot through the store window. A tragic targeting of Lori, killing of Lori over the pride flag displayed at her Lake Arrowhead store was senseless and unfortunately part of a growing number of attacks on LGBTQ people and our allies, said 
Sarah Kate Ellis, president of GLAAD. Um, GLAAD and the Anti-Defamation League, ADL, have tracked more than 350 anti-LGBTQ plus attacks around the country this year. That seems low. You know what I mean? Those are the ones that are reported. But Carlton, again, mother of nine, her one of her uh, kids says she was fearless, said Ari Carlton. My mom has like a long, long been a fierce ally of the LGBTQ community. We have plenty of members of the community in our family and our close friend groups. So it was just important to her because those are people that I was raised around and always loved. And um, lastly, and this was kind of just like a sweet and really like touching, sad thing, but apparently the family got like a package recent, like after the, you know, um, the, her, their mom was killed. And I was like, oh God, was it from the shooter? Did someone send them something? No, no, no. It was a flag. It was another pride flag that she had purchased because she felt like the one that she had up was like fading. Mm. So she had bought this in advance and that was what she died over. And the shooter, um, lo and behold, not really a, uh, big surprise here was some, was a 27-year-old man named Travis Ikeguchi, or Ike, not sure how to pronounce his name. Um, he was anti-vax, anti-gay, anti-Semitic, anti-choice, and an RFK Jr. fan. This is fun. So th this is a, a couple of tweets from Mike Rothschild, who is uh, screenshotting and sending up a bunch of um, images and tweets that this guy, Travis, had posted beforehand. I mean, you know, it's hard to say because this is, like those kinds of tweets, that's just shit that's on Twitter. I'm not calling it X. That's just stuff you see all the time. So it's yeah. like, that's not even really a clue that someone's necessarily going to go murder somebody. You know, because part of me is like, oh, how do we not see this? I don't know. Because everyone does that online. All these little, you know, muskets who are like, thirsty to be wealthy and think that gay people are taking their money from them somehow. But anyway, um, Ida, that's here. That's in California. Yeah. Unfortunately, this one hits close to home. Um, uh, three of the young women who are her, uh, her children attended school with my son. They, they all, um, they went to, I won't say the name of the school cause they might still have kids there, but um, they all went, you know, went to the school. My son was the one that told me about this because he, he, he received an email from um, the board telling them that, you know, part of their family has been affected by these, this crime. But, you know, personally, in 20, it's going to be uh, 10 years in October, the day before my book comes out, October 16th, uh, my uncle was murdered in a hate crime in Florida. He was beat to death. Um, in 2013, oh my God. Um, and he was beat to death for for being a queer man. Oh my so God. when this hits, you know, home, it's you know we we keep ignoring in this country. Um, first of all, we continuously ignore mental illness, and then we continuously ignore the effects that misinformation, the responsibility that the media has in informing and moving the people. So a lot of people want to wash their hands and say that this is not, you know, I remember Donald Trump after being, you know, fully vaccinated, you know, still encouraging people not to get vaccinated and then or telling people, you know, there was a couple that took the hydrochloroquine and they and somebody died, mm -hmm. but there was no there's never any accountability. Well, there should be because the truth is that a lot of these people are misinforming and arming and and continuously instigating within 
a group of people that have a high level, a high number of mentally ill people and that people that are struggling with mental illness. And this is the result of that. Yeah. And, you know, we people don't ever think it's going to turn into something until it does. And then we mourn, we throw up pictures and then we move on and it continues to go on. Absolutely. And this is not okay. Yeah. It's not okay. And a border, you know, I mean, it's a border. I was just thinking like, you know, blue state, red state, like we're talking about, it doesn't matter. This isn't about just like no. abortion rights too, you know, just, all no. of the hate travels and who knows where I believe this man was actually from California. You're not, we aren't safe. Um, and my mind obviously continually goes to guns and the accessibility of them. Cause it's the one, it's the one factor it feels like we can control um, yeah. because it is the outlier. It's the reason we have this many gun deaths and murders. And yet it somehow is simultaneously the thing that is the least in our control because it seems like a complete third rail topic that we could never actually rein in. So we do have to focus on all the other factors, as you're saying, the mental illness, but also the, the hate mongering, the anti-gay mongering from DeSantis, from all, all Republicans right now, from Fox News, from Matt Walsh, from elon musk yeah. himself from everybody and so like and this is i think and when you're talking about misinformation it's why in a non-republican way we need to stop big tech we, like we actually have to crack down on big tech and i include like yeah. twitter twitter is a heinous place now at the, it is it's always been it's even worse now from before this before the suspect was identified, who, by the way, did die in a shootout with police. So like, hey, at least we actually kill our criminals here instead of giving them a fucking <laughs> Burger King. I guess that's the least you could say for California. I don't know. Um, you know, not that I'm relishing in that, but you know what I'm saying, like, is uh, there was misinformation spread about who the murderer was. A lot of people online uh, on, on Twitter were saying, oh, the, the, her brother killed her. So everyone's mm -hmm. sharing a, a false article from some blue check mark, and that's just propagating. And we're okay yeah. with that because the richest guy in the world wanted to buy this for a pet project. It's a major mode of communication here. People go to Twitter yeah. all the time for their news, right? There's an earthquake. Let's go. Let's go to Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you told me like elves got together and they farted on mass in Southern California and that's what the that's why there was a 5.0 earthquake in Ojai I'd be like okay that's probably right because it's on Twitter yeah I'm not on Twitter anymore I got off of Twitter <clears throat> it's been uh it's been over a year now it was just too hateful for me but yeah I mean listen there are people who are struggling with their mental well-being. You know, they just really are. And just like some people traveled to San Diego because to, to for a mass, you know, suicide because they believed they were going to another planet, just like Jim Jones did what Jim Jones did, David Koresh. When you think about this stuff, you know, a lot of people um are I think that this is very extreme and uncommon. But I think that it is more common than we'd like to admit because, you know, we have such a great uh, number of people that belong to our population living on the streets that don't have access to health care, that don't have access. If you don't, if people can't go to the doctor for a physical, you think they're going to go to see a, a therapist? No, oh, yeah. Like, it's just, you know, we're and out that, of balance. Yeah. And that's who the right praise on is, is folks who are already have been like broken down. Yeah. 
um, yeah. by many other different circumstances. And they like it like that. It's like, oh, that's great. That's more fodder for yeah. them. That's more psychos who are going to vote for them. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's move on to our sitch for the day, for the week. Um, I'm super excited to have her here. Uh, immigrant rights and progressive advocate, former press secretary for Bernie in 2016, currently the communications director for the Young Center for Immigrant R Children's Rights. Please welcome Erica Andiola. Erica, welcome back to the show. Hi. Yeah, of course. Thank you for inviting me back. Oh, my God. Thank you for being here. I'm excited. There's so much I want to dig in to with you, and there's a lot that's been happening. But let's I was let's start with like the most terrible figures on immigrant rights in the United States and work our way to the, just the awful figures. Cause no one is good in leadership right now. Nobody's actually doing anything to help people. Uh, well, I mean, other than yourself, other than many organizations working hard. Um, but just today, you know, the DOJ under Biden is taking Greg, governor Greg Abbott of Texas to court for these buoys, right? That had like, have like razor wire in them. And two people have been found dead in them. This is in the Rio Grande River. Like, what do you make of the excessive cruelty right now? And then a little bit of the pushback. And then I want to talk Biden more generally. But but just this excessive cruelty from Abbott sending migrants over to California, to New York, and all that. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's it's um, it's horrible. But I will say, um, so there are a few people who are good at immigration and leadership, unfortunately, they just don't have power. Right now, um, what ended up happening with president or former president, uh, whose name I don't really want to <laughs> remember, 45, um, he said a really high, I mean, the bar, maybe it's low, but he said a bar for Republicans that now they just feel like they can do anything with immigrants and get away right. with it, right? right? There were so many people who are still supporting um, 45. And um, even though they, he did literally separate kids away from their parents at the border in um, just such an inhumane and cruel way. And so now you have Abbott um, and a few other governors, right, who think it's okay to continue to uh, deploy these tactics against immigrants and that they're going to continue to have support from their constituency and from their supporters. Right. Um, and so uh, for us, those of us who work with people uh, on the ground who actually get to talk to a lot of these folks understand that this is really causing human pain, suffering, and unfortunately has caused deaths now um, at the border with all of the different, you know, the the racer wire and, and, and so on has um, literally, there was one story where a woman was miscarrying as she was trapped in one of these racer wires. And I can go on with just horrible stories um, and we're letting that happen as a country. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that the DOJ is stepping in, and I hope that the Biden administration does as much as possible to take that power away from him, from Abbott. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just insane. And like, is it? Is it? I mean, I think there's two issues on immigration, and you've covered this for so long, and you've worked on these issues because one is. How are people being affected? Real people who have lives and families and histories and have, you know, countries they're either fleeing from or never wanted to leave from or, you know, um, all that and are real human beings. And how do we value their lives? And then there's the like, 
how does this play politically? You know, what do what do Democrats and Republicans and the voters think about this immigration or that immigration policy, which is so far to the right at this point? We are so skewed that we sort of lose sight of the actual, you know, human people who are trapped in this whole system that is completely, um, you know, ridiculously, uh, God, bureaucratic, cruel, um, and and all that. But so I guess I want to ask about like politically, like who who is this for? You know, you saw Trump, be, you know, get a lot of points for like attacking immigrants and like obviously build the wall was basically the campaign slogan. Mm -hmm. Is it working for other people? Like, and I don't maybe you can't speak to that, but do you feel like I just read recently, like some folks border people who live on the border are like, you know, I, I draw the line at buoy. Like, I don't know if I'm on board with like these kinds of tactics, but what what is your sense? Yeah, I really believe that they, I mean, I'm not in their head, but I really think that people like Abbott, like um, DeSantis and some other folks, um, they truly believe that this is going to be one of the issues that's gonna get their based um, energized, right? Um, they've been doing this for years. I mean, I, I live in Arizona, right? And we've been dealing with these types of characters for so many decades. I mean, Jennifer Arpaio, I don't know if you'll remember who that is, but you know, there's this terrible sheriff we had here. Um, and these kinds of, 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 of politicians, we've had them in Arizona, and now we have them at the national level. And they really, really, truly believe that by making the lives of immigrants miserable, that they are energizing their own base. Now, yeah. on the other side, the unfortunate situation here is that on the Democratic side, um, I will say, to be very honest, that there's not really that much courage from people to, to defend immigrants, to say, you know what? These are human beings. These are people who deserve our 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 human or our uh, empathy, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that we should and can welcome people as the most powerful country in the world that has lots and lots of resources and money, right? And we and we we do the opposite. Um, and so I, I really just I wish that on the other side, right on the Democratic side. Um, there was a lot more of that courage and that we could get, I mean, we're talking about ele you know, elections and, and, and um, that type of electoral power. I just really wish that Democrats would understand that there is a really huge opportunity to talk to people who do care about this issue. And, yeah. and at this point, I feel like they have ignored that, that they feel like hmm, we let's talk to the same people over and over again. Uh, to try to get get them to vote rather than figuring out who else they can tap into to to get them excited about voting. And that's a lot of you know immigrants themselves who become citizens or people who are descendants of immigrants who still really care about that issue. I mean, it, Latinos are the fastest growing voter block in the country. I mean, I think it's Asian Americans and like like um, and yeah, Latin America or Latino Americans like are we people vote. We vote. Anyway, Ida, did you want to say something? I don't. I do. You know, I was just gonna say that um, it's very interesting to me because for on the humanistic, on the humanity level, they're not meeting us. But I, I would think that they would be better business people because if if truly all of the immigrants left this country, the economy would collapse. Um, you know, people are always talking about you know the, the weaponization of 
the subgroups, you know, when you see now that there are these wars online between Black American people and immigrants, it is all by design. It is done on purpose to divide and conquer because the reality of it is, is that when people come here from other countries, I am the child of an undocumented man. They don't come here to take, you know, assumed roles at Princeton like you privileged people that take these roles and then, you know, don't deserve to be there mm -hmm. because you, you're only there by way of privilege. They just, they're coming here to do jobs. In, in California, when, when they did send a lot of people back, those people, those farmers who went from signs that said farmers for Trump went from, we need help, we need food, because they didn't have anybody to mind the crops. Yeah. And you saw it, it happened in Florida as well. So I just think that it's just really interesting to me that uh, people people do think that immigrants are an easy target. They're not defended. They don't have the the protections that they should have in this country. But I don't think that they, people really understand the value um, because if if all of our relatives who are not from this country decided to leave America, there would be no America. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They just and and it's and it may sound arrogant, but it's true. It's just it is a faction of the country who that are willing to come here. They put their heads down. They will do the work. They have a you know when you talk about immigrants, they always put the face of brown people, Central America. People migrate here from all over the world. Ooh. A lot of undocumented people come here from Europe. Exactly that look like you know your Barbie. But we, it is exhausting to have to fight this brown fight all the time. There are a lot of people here who are not, are come from Asia, they come from Europe, they come from all over the world yeah. and give it the brown face. But the brown people are the ones that come here, put their heads down and do the jobs that nobody else wants to do. And they don't flinch while they do it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and mm -hmm. it's, it's exhausting. 100%. I, I want to, like, I actually, you know, Speaking of the differences, I want to talk about like the differences between Biden and Trump a little bit, because as you said, Erica, there's not a lot of difference. And, you know, and to Ida's point, you know, you see Ukrainian refugees being welcomed with arms open, you know, and then the demonization of Haitian migrants, Central American migrants and sort of the same, same old, same old. Um, but what about. I mean, and you're now focused on kids and you yourself, Erica, are a DACA recipient, came to this this country as a minor what about the treatment of children right now? I, I know one of these, there's a big article right now about the amount of young kids from Ecuador, actually, which is reeling from the pandemic still. The economy was ravaged. Uh, a lot of Ecuadorian children selling candy in subways. Um, what about these rights of children? Is there at least an attempt, I believe, from what I understand, like to keep families together? How is that like, it's a minor improvement, but yeah, t tell me about that. And also, I, you know, this is your work day in and day out. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, the first, you know, the first, first thing I'll say is that for us um, in the work that I do in the organization that I work with at Young Center, we see immigrant children as children. And that's exactly what we're pushing for everybody else to see. Children uh, who come here um, to this country to seek a better life as what they are, children. Um, and that we should give them the protection and that we should look for their best interest um, in every aspect um, of, of, of what we do with them. And unfortunately, so talking about, you know, and just answering a question, like what, what, what do we see different from the Trump administration? So let's just remember what happened under the Trump administration, which was, um, there was a lot of different policies, but one that 
a lot of people uh, heard about was the family separation or what he what he called it or his people called it a zero tolerance policy, right, which separated literally um, children from their parents when they were seeking asylum or were seeking protection um, at the border. Um, and so we ended up, you know, literally seeing kids uh, being put into these like cage looking sort of places, right? Those were a lot of the images that people were seeing and like the no kids in cages, you know, sort of mm -hmm. um, public outcry began. Um, now that specific policy and those kinds of practices are not happening anymore under the Biden administration. We are pushing for folks who were, um, you know, um, traumatized and hurt and, and in so many ways by that policy to to have some sort of um, support from the United States, right? And there's so many things that can be done. Um, so we're still fighting for them. Um, under the Biden administration, that's not happening. However, there are um, other policies that were just that just happened, which basically we call them the asylum ban policies. Yep. Um, in which they, uh, the Biden administration, basically said, right, if if you're coming um, to seek asylum, we're going to make it so much harder for you to be able to do that. And so, um, you know, I can go into the weeds of things, but I'll it's it's a lot to understand. I'll say that a lot of these policies, unfortunately, have created a situation where families who are not able to come to the U.S. from the border, they get to the border, they travel days or months, and then they have to make a decision sometimes whether they should stay there in unsafe conditions at the border in Mexico, or a lot of times families have to separate on their own to mm -hmm. make sure that kids are safe. And so we Send, do- Sending up, children by themselves effectively, right? Effect, yeah. And, you know, it's a form of family separation where, you know, People, yes, are having to make this terrible choice, but we are, you know, imagine being a parent um, living in a tent in Mexico with your five-year-old and you have a sister in the United States and, and they tell you, listen, we'll try to get the child here, right? That, mm -hmm. that, that, that happens a lot. And unfortunately, people don't know that kids, when they get here, they, they are put in detention centers, right? And uh, the Health and Human Services Department has uh, places where kids are transferred into. And that's the work that we do at the Young Center. We visit those kids, we work with them, um, and we walk them through the whole uh, process because um, it's so complicated. Yes. So yes, there's no forced family separation at the border, but right. I will say we are putting people in really difficult situations where they're having to make those decisions. That's a that's a really good sort of just it's like a very fine line of difference. And actually just recently, the same judge that blocked Trump's ban on asylum just blocked Biden's effective ban on asylum. And you could correct me, but I believe the only difference is Biden is asking there, there's no more uh, that basically if you travel through a different country, you can't apply for asylum because why didn't you seek asylum there essentially like um which is like how the fuck else are you like you know who's got money for the ticket you know the plane ticket to get in like what who just is lands you know we're talking about people who travel for months and months and months depending on where you're coming from in in latin america usually um but there was an interesting story that just broke recently which was this that the story of the app so there's a new app on the border called the CBP-1. And apparently, and it could, anyway, apparently it's had like a, a major effect in terms of the drop in the number of border crossings because people are told to 
download this app and wait their turn via the app to get the appointment um, to be able to then cross, right? And so you can't get let in unless you have like that appointment. You can show it on the app, blah, blah, blah. It's creating havoc on the Mexico side of the border still. But on the U.S. side, it's like, da, 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 you know, things are, you know, sort of the veneer that things are okay because there aren't as many people crossing. Um, what do you, what have you heard about the app? And, and it is also, you know, the, politically it might look actually kind of good. Not that any Republican is giving Biden credit for it, but what, what are your thoughts on that? this app situation? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have this comparison, um, might be silly, but, um, like imagine somebody trying to get a ticket on Ticketmaster for like Taylor Swift concert. Mm-hmm. We've heard stories. They're crazy. Right? Like people are trying to get these tickets. Now imagine that for people who are trying to save their lives, right? Where literally they are having to look every single day in this app to see if there's slots for them. And most of the time there's not because they're very limited slots and there's tons and tons of people who are seeking protection. And not only that, it's, it's been glitchy um, at the beginning when they uh, rolled this out. Um, we literally were hearing stories from some of our partners who work with black migrants, which basically the app wouldn't recognize darker skin tones. So a lot of our Haitian no. um, migrants uh, or, you know, brothers, sisters and siblings, like they couldn't, they, they couldn't, like they, they have to like take a picture and they couldn't recognize their face. Um, so we had to like, you know, protest about that. Hey, what's going on? This thing is discriminating against people who have darker skin colors. Um, mo- most people, I would say, most of the kids we uh, work with um, are indigenous, and mm-hmm. so a lot of them speak indigenous languages. Um, they also perhaps can't even read or, or speak Spanish. Um, other folks, again, you know, a lot of uh, uh, Haitians, and um, now there's a few other uh, people who are migrating from more countries than just Latin America. And so Mm. the app doesn't have those languages. So you have basically people who are trying to figure out how to every single day, you know, log into this thing. And then when they have a chance to, um, to apply or to use the app, they don't understand uh, the language or they can't figure out how to do it. And so there's, and I can go on, there's been a lot of challenges with this, this app. And obviously people who don't have access to a phone are, well, of course, that was my first thought was like, like, yeah, people carrying like limited amounts of things. I mean, obviously, like, I don't know, it seems ubiquitous. But yeah, the first thought was who has a smartphone, you know, um, that is few and few in and of itself, um, especially if you are seeking asylum. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting to like rely. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I was I thought it was it was curious that it cut the border crossings and part of me was like, this is good. But then, yeah, it's, it's just kicking the can down the road even farther. Like what is wrong with allowing people to safely cross and making sure they do so uh, and can be kept from harm because, because that's really the thing, right? It's trying to, it's just passing a hop, like for lack of a, this is a horrible, I, but it's a hot potato situation of like, well, at least it's not on this side of the border kind of thing, you know? Um, and we can kind of keep, you know, folks in the Mexico side of the border, which has its own, I mean, talk about precarity and uh, subject to violence. This is all, by the way, from most, a lot of Republicans who are mad at Biden, 
you know, people who pretend to care about children, as you were saying, people who pretend that, uh, you know, pedophiles exist. And they're like, yeah, 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 they're, they are preyed upon. Uh, if you help them into the United States, their chances of being preyed upon go, go down greatly. Um, what well, about to stay with their families, basically? Or exactly. Sorry, but I'm so like, what about DACA? We you have been fought, obviously as a recipient and I, and and oh, this is what I was going to say, because having scans of your face, having these databases, they are fine, maybe in the hands of a Democratic administration, but not even. But how scary is that to kind of open up all this data on undocumented folks to these, you know, not just the DOJ or, uh, you know, um, yeah, DOJ and, and, and Department of Homeland Security, but like, you know, I don't know, all kinds of yeah. tech companies and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the idea for them, right? They want to have as much data as possible. They want to have as much information as possible so they can continue to follow uh, individuals and families uh, if they make it to the U.S., right? If they're mm -hmm. able to uh, get an appointment and, and come in and, and, you know, they keep track of people, right? People have to go back and have appointments with ICE. Um, they have to, some people, there's a new program that was also rolled out with asylum ban where families um, have, uh, one person in the family has to wear an ankle monitor, um, at all times. And so um, they have to, I'm not exactly sure how they choose, but there's definitely one person who has to make sure that they have a monitor on them. So it's a lot of sort of using this type of technology now to be able to keep track of people. Right. Because um, they don't trust that people will show up to court. People don't trust that people will uh, follow, follow through in their process, which is actually not the truth. We know that when People have access to a lawyer when people have the understanding of how to follow the process they want to do it they'll yeah. show up to court they'll go and they'll talk to a judge but they want to be able to understand what's going on and sometimes they just don't um and so you know all in all these are all what they call deterrence policies um it's basically they will say it if you, you can google <laughs> deterrence and and it's literally the plan for uh, most of the presidencies we've seen in the past obama trump and now biden yeah. uh, they use deterrence to make sure that people basically like telling people we're going to make your life impossible um so you shouldn't come instead yeah. of figuring out ways in which we can welcome folks in a humane way well you started by saying maybe there are a couple good leaders like who do you feel like is i mean are they just sort of nameless behind the scenes i know i think it was the new york times or new yorker did this incredible expose on a, a young woman in the biden administration who quit basically um uh she was you can speak to it better maybe but but specific, mm -hmm. specifically working on immigration and quit because it was like clear that she was hitting her head against a wall and there was no real appetite for yes pivoting and having a, a policy that tr truly does put human lives first but who who are the who are the folks that are sort of like blazing the trail yeah you know unfortunately so when when the biden, the biden administration took power one of the things i kept saying was like i really really hope that there's like like the opposite of Steve Miller. Like imagine right. like there was the like yeah. the anti, sort of like the, the flip, you know, they flip a coin, there's like that person. Um, and I'll tell you that we didn't get that, unfortunately, but we did have um, a lot of administration officials who 
cared about the issue. People who mm -hmm. used to be advocates, right? Who I, you know, many of us used to work with as advocates. Um, I will say that most of them are gone. Uh, most of them, you know, for one reason or the other, where um, not, not really pushed out, they just left because they they just didn't think that they were being they were being heard. And um, Andrea Flores, who you're talking about, is one of yes. those who who left, and um, she wrote this great piece. I think it might have been in the New Yorker. I don't remember exactly, but um, she uh, specifically also talked about the the treatment she saw between um, Ukrainians um, when um, everything happened, um, when we started seeing a lot more Ukrainians at the border versus um, other communities, which was like uh, brown and black communities, indigenous communities, um, and just the contrast um, of how we were able to get this process in place for Ukrainians that was fast, it was it was orderly, it was humane, etc. And and you saw what they were doing on, on the on the other hand, and it was just it was a huge contrast, right? And so yeah. you know people like her speaking out about that, I think it's definitely important. And on the con in the congressional side, we have people like Alex Padilla and um, you know Chuy Garcia and in, in the house and there's a few other folks who have been pushing really hard, but again they just don't really have the power right now. Yeah. Um, or I don't know if they're being really taken as seriously as they should. Uh, but, you know, Joaquin Castro just went to the border um, to expose what's going on with uh, Abbott, uh, which is great. I think we, you know, even though there's there isn't like the ability to pass legislation right now, they don't think they do or they just are not trying hard enough. At least some of these folks are exposing what's going on with people like Abbott. Um, but we need more and we need. Yeah this issue to stop being played as a political football. Um, oh. That's the only way it's gonna. <laughs> I mean, and and it's gotten so ridiculous, like just in the past year, past few months, it, they're like literally playing with people's lives by sending them on buses, you know, without, ad I mean, who cares, like adequate stops or food or shelter or anything like that, just sending folks on buses to blue states. I mean, that's how cartoonish, I, I mean, the buoys, we are in a cartoonish moment when it comes to immigration in this country. I mean, we've always talked about it as like, well, it's a cartoonish system. But now we've got like literal cartoon villains doing cartoon villains. I mean, what are they going to do? Like tie them to railroad tracks? I feel like that's fucking next. You know, like well, we, no one would be surprised. Oh, no, there's an anvil that just got dropped. Like, like that's really where we're at. Um, I, I guess, I, Ida, you please jump in. Um, any 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 no. final thoughts? You know, I, um, as a Puerto Rican Dominican child uh, growing up where I was told that I had privilege because I had citizenship. Um, one of the things that I've, as, a, as, a, an as I've evolved as an adult, understanding that they don't treat us any better, even though we, uh, we all saw during Maria, I would just, uh, I would like to always take an opportunity to encourage all of us to, you know, be mindful of, of the other people in the room. I, I participated in Chidla marches and I would go out and speak out and people would say, you're American, why do you care? And I'm like, because those are my brothers and sisters. Mm. Um, you know, before being this Latina title, I'm an indigenous child, you know, African, descendants of Africans and, you know, the Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Cuba, Haiti, Jamaica, all of us that are, that belong to Taino lands are, are have a lot more in common. I just think that we have to think collectively 
Um, I read a story recently about, uh, and I think people don't need to really need to understand the, the whitewashing of America, this, this fear that it's going to be overrun by people of color and that white people are going to disappear when they outnumber us greatly. How is deep, you know, a lot of these issues are deeply rooted in that. The abortion issue is yeah. trying to put white women's bodies because they want to make sure that more white people are born, you know, keeping the immigrants out. And they, the psychological trauma that people have have to endure as a result of this. I was taken away from my father. I didn't grow up with him because my father was deported and I never got to see my father again until I was an adult and able to fly myself to the Dominican Republic to see him. I read a story about a young girl that was taken from her mother and given to another family. She had to go live there when her mother was finally able to find her. Now this girl has a psychological trauma because she has been with this family for years and her own mother is a stranger. Mm. And we have to employ empathy when it comes to immigrant stories. These are human beings. And, you know, I, I, I have a lot of white friends who have no, always tell me about their immigrant stories. You know, my grandmother came here from Ireland. And it's always this story with, you know, that is always uh, very regal and powerful in this history. Well, you know what? Those people that walk from Guatemala to America yeah. are also heroes. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And we need to we need to be responsible for reframing our stories and 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 pushing back when other people. That's one thing that even with Puerto Ricans myself, I'm always like, "Eh, eh, 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 one hundred percent. I think that's really real, and and I think, you know, this is also an area. Well, I'll, I'll say that I think the left generally has been a little absent, you know, because it's not it's not like a, uh, God. I, oh wait a minute, sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's what I wanted to say that Erica said. Yeah, so yeah, sorry. no, please. I'll there, there is the cowardice. There, there. I mean, they're just cowards. And the thing about the not having an allegiance to a political party because we actually care about the people yeah. is that the Republican Party, they band together for their evil, regardless of whatever. They fight and they will fight till the end. They will support the people they don't even believe in just because of party affiliation. Look at all the people who, who ride for Trump knowing good and well that Trump, Trump is wrong. But when it comes to the Democrats and this liberal policy of trying to be taking the higher road and being, you know, we, we're being so sometimes that is just as toxic as those other people, because sometimes you have to roll up your sleeves and fight. And I, I'm not an advocate of violence, but I am not mad about what happened in Montgomery. And I wish that people would show <laughs> up on behalf of these immigrants who are being mistreated and did the same thing, because yeah. we have to fight because they don't have any shame. Yeah. No, they have no shame. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, I love that. I think that's great. I mean, Preach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're saying we should all stick together and stick with Biden. Is that what you're saying? Ida? You're saying we back, we back our boy. Um, no, no. I mean, I, look, I was just going to say, I think that the left is kind of like, doesn't really have a good strategy in line when it comes to this, especially because it is such a, a, an issue that is so skewed to the right. And so it doesn't feel like, um, and it's also not that like, I don't know, maybe it's not as like exciting as like Medicare for all or like housing rights and whatnot. Um, but it is so crucial that we we have immigrant rights and human rights as part of our like our like understanding of like, I mean, and I'm curious, you know, our, our like political understanding, because I do think we're in a moment just like the private healthcare industry 
completely uh, um, gutless, uh, irreconcilable, beyond repair. The same with this border, man. The same with DHS. The same with ICE. Abolish ICE is the floor for me. You know, like, like let's go for more. Like, yeah, man, open borders. I don't give a shit. Like, nobody actually says open borders, but I believe it because guess what? It's going to lead to the fewest amount of people dying. That and legalizing drugs. But anyway, um, last, 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 last thing, Erica, because it's so fascinating and great to have you on. But DACA, April... I, oh, uh, Biden expanded the ACA benefits, which I mean, honestly, let's be real, not a lot of benefits. Shit is still expensive, but ACA benefits to DACA recipients, that's good. What is the limbo? What's the status with DACA right now? Yeah, so it's still up in the air. We're still in court. Um, we've been waiting for years to figure out what's going to happen uh, with the future of thousands of people, including myself. Um, and to be honest, at this point, it's all up to the courts. Um, yeah, I wish I could say that there's a lot that can be done in Congress, but there's, I mean, I just laugh. Look at the Congress. Just, Look at Congress, man. I just don't see anything moving in Congress. But the fact is the only thing that can save, um, not necessarily DACA, because there is a really high, high probability that we'll, we'll lose the program. Um, through all these uh, legal challenges that have come up. Um, but, you know, there's there's the possibility of creating a path to citizenship that's permanent for people. And um, the political will is perhaps not necessarily there, but the political uh, support definitely exists. Majority of Americans support um, a path to citizenship for DACA recipients and dreamers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to keep, you know, keep pushing and, um, I hope we don't have to get to the point where, you know, the program gets uh, killed by the courts and then there's more urgency. But unfortunately, a lot of times that's that's what happens. Right. We, we wait until things like that happen for people to stand up and, and say enough. You know, we, we need to protect DACA recipients. So, um, yeah. so to action, folks, right? <laughs> we need to just start calling our representatives and do as much as we can to, to protect dreamers. Absolutely. And, and it was meant to be a temporary program anyway. You know, so it's like, why not? Let's do something better. I mean, it's like uh, it's like the cobra of of immigration. You know, it's like, you know, when you lose your job, you go on cobra and it's way too expensive. It's like that's DACA. I mean, DACA was important, hard fought. You know, you were part of that movement. But you're like, this is supposed to be temporary. Uh, let's get a path to citizenship for these recipients and for all, you know, minors who are coming here. Um, I think there has to be a way to plant a Hunter Biden laptop in on the border. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get people to, the Republicans to care, push some legislation forward. Um, my God, can you imagine? Anyone who's got dirt on Hunter Biden gets in the border. Everyone else, you're shit out of luck. Um, anyway, <laughs> I feel like we're close to that. Um, Erica Aniola, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people follow you and your work? Or yeah, any any plugs? Yeah, for sure. People can follow me on my social media. Um, it's all of them are Erica Andiola, just as you can see on the screen at Erica Andiola. Um, or you can also follow and you can also follow the Young Center. Um, all of our handles are the Young Center. Um, so just at the T-H-E at the, at the beginning. Um, and you can see all the work that we're doing. Yeah, because you can see everything that we're doing with uh, kiddos. Right now, we're close to um, having trainings across the country for volunteers who want to visit 
unaccompanied immigrant children who are currently in detention. So if you're interested in that, you can go to the youngcenter.org um, and sign up to become a volunteer. We need lots of people to go and visit kiddos in detention. That's huge. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Thank I, you. I can you. <laughs> that would be the best. Do, do a, a quick 10 minute set. In Spanish for no, that was yeah, that is amazing. All right, everybody, check out the Young Center and thank you so much, Erica, for joining us. I know we got one more segment I have to I have to bother you with because we're all being bothered by this. It is happening. I'm not we're not above it because there's a debate. There's a <laughs> Republican presidential primary debate happening on Wednesday. And are you going to tune in, you think? Uh, yes, I have to. You have to? Yeah. I mean, listen, we can't go around talking and telling people um, that they have to be engaged politically and then not be <laughs> And then not watch these idiots. I know, but you have to, you got to watch the enemy. That's true. You got to watch the enemy. You got to watch the enemy. because uh, There's a lot of, just like when Ron DeSantis was like, all right, Disney, you're going to, you're going to sue Florida, but you're going to lose. You know, you, you, he's letting you know, that's a flex. And we have to be aware of their moves and the way they're thinking and the things that they're saying. Cause the more we shut them out, the less we know, the more we are surprised when they do crazy stuff. There we go. Okay. Okay. Very good. All right. Don't sit on the sidelines. We got to watch this. It's part of our political education, even though. It might make you want to vomit. It might make you want to vomit. And Donald Trump not going to participate. What do you think about this move? He's not going to join the first debate. I mean, he's got a little bit on his plate right now. <laughs> um, you know, Donald Trump is playing the game of, you know, you know, when comedians are on stage uh -huh. the, and a lot of them are say, oh, it's time they gave, they're giving me the light because they want the audience to say, no, no, no. Right. That's, that's the game Trump is playing. Trump they're keeps saying. It's not that I don't have any more light. material. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But so that, that's what he's doing with the uh, with the people, the American people who follow him. It's like he's letting them know he's giving them the play by play. He's playing the game and it and it's working. Yeah, it's actually working. I mean, it's so a, we should we should watch. Yeah. And, and it's a smart move for him not to go like what well, it's just going to. He it's already a Trump show. He already runs everything. Media are making yeah. a killing off of, you know, just running a bunch of Trump headlines. Fifth indictment, fourth indictment, yeah. four. I forget. I think it's four. Fourth indictment. Yeah. I mean, like it's endless. He doesn't need the, it for ratings. Um, but so who is going to be there? And then I'll get to whatever the hell this segment is. I'll explain it in a second. So we have these six candidates. Um, we have Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, you have Governor Ron DeSantis, you have uh, Asa Hutchinson, who I believe is, God, I'm terrible. Is he, a, is he a rep? I think so, yeah. Nikki Haley, um, former governor of South Carolina, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, some dude named B <laughs> Doug Burgum? No idea. No idea who my man is. This guy looks like he wrote a book about how the female orgasm is a myth. Like that, 
that's that's what that's the vibe he's giving me. He's giving me like all meat diet situation. Okay, he's a governor of North Dakota. Thank you, Google. And then uh, former tech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy is there. Uh, so these are the people who will be on stage, and I want to know what drinking game would you play, Ida? This is drink. So. <laughs> What's going to get you the drunkest? If you if that's the goal, what would what's the drink every time what? When's what's the cue to drink during the Republican primary debate? Um so from what I see, uh there'll be a lot of self-hate. Um <laughs> <laughs> So you mean like women and people of color? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean there will be a lot of uh, self-hate. Um, ooh, every time somebody clowns, um, what's his name, Christy, about being Donald Trump's bitch, you know that's gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, who is who is Trump's bigger? Who's the biggest Trump bitch? I mean, it's a test. It's a contest between Pence, Christy, and DeSantis. Honestly, yeah, I would say Christy is the one whose dignity was probably punctured the most um from the fat jokes? i don't know no 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 from the the laundry go go get my dry cleaning oh. the it, it, the humiliation you know pence doesn't know he's humiliated unless it's cleared by mother yeah, yeah so we yeah. you know it's he doesn't have a sense of self <laughs> but um I, I would think there would be a lot of self-hate. Um, I think, uh, <laughs> Drink know. every time someone says, um, I'm from a blank community and I made it out or I, you know, and I love yes. the police. Ooh, that level. The le I mean, just, did you see him rapping Eminem oh, the I other did. day? Oh, we, we talked about that on this show. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Oh, it was, um, I mean, I think it, that was like, I'd rather see him rap than see him like talk about the economy. Oh, me too. Me too. But I, I think you're going to hear abortion, immigration, and guns. Drink, yeah. Abortion, immigration, immigration or guns. If we drink each time we hear that. I think I think you're right about Chris Christie. I think every time Chris Christie is like shade is thrown or he's booed by the audience, like you got to drink because that's like going to be a special little shot you take there. Um, I think I think a lot of Elon Musk talk. I think a lot of free speech elon musk. whoever like fillets elon musk verbally we have to then you you drink as soon as he's mentioned mm. um how much is trump going to be mentioned a lot that's why he doesn't have to be there because he will be there anyway right i mean i think the moderator gonna mention trump all the time if oh, you're absolutely. running you don't want to talk about that guy because then what are you gonna to have to do you, you the, the the game is basically avoid condemning or condoning just be just don't yeah. breathe unless you're chris christie who's like like he is a piece of shit but like at least he's a piece of shit who can call the other piece of shit what he is you know what i mean like at least he has his yeah, balls no, no. this is america um, I can hear Donald Glover in the background. <laughs> this is America. Exactly. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry, childish Gambino. But uh, yeah, I think Trump, Trump is going to show up a lot. And, you know, the, the 
The funny thing is he's probably going to sit back and watch so that he knows he's going to come back with his own set on everybody because, you know, he's all he knows how to dig the dirt and he knows how to throw it and sling it. And he has no shame. So it's not there are no rules. There's no code. But I think that there's going to be a lot of talk about values. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you hear values, you know, you can go ahead and hit some vodka. Yeah. Um, the moralists will always be there to point out um well let's that that oh sorry uh-huh no, i was gonna say let's remember where we started this whole conversation was talking about woke and how it was a term that's been i mean i'm sure you say it on stage when i have like a joke where i say it and you can't even say the word woke because especially if it's a liberal audience they think you're like a right winger like you're saying it in a negative way yeah. you know like you can't because yeah. people get all like oh you know um yeah. but we're gonna hear woke all over the place i mean oh absolutely all oh, just gonna be some there's gonna be a lot of parental rights oh parental rights for sure values family values parental rights um gender ideology know, gender ideology for sure um they they yeah they're gonna protect the children that they the children that they never protect they don't protect them from guns. They don't protect them from a bad education. They don't protect them from, you know, not having health care, but they want to protect them from themselves. <laughs> but that, that I think yeah. is a perfect, to me, if Ida Rodriguez were moderating this debate, which I would pay all the money that I have to, <laughs> to watch that. Um, you just named. I'd be escorted. Oh my god! No, no, no. We would first of all, you'd be surrounded with bulletproof glass uh, all over. Place. <laughs> like we would protect you. You would descend like in a Beyonce concert. You kind of, you know, and we get you out of there on like a, you know, on a glitzy horse or whatnot, whatever she rides. But I was gonna say you just named issues that most Americans care about. See, this is my thing about these debates: are that whenever Republicans have their debate, it's like it's like they're on like planet B talking about yep. like some issues that fucking nobody cares about. It's like, well, you know, I do think that Minnie Mouse's skirt used to be shorter and now that it's long yeah. and she's wearing pants and you're like, I'm sorry, we're over here dying in fires and floods. Like what the fuck? And I love that moderators, instead of asking about like what, again, most Americans care about, right? Like uh, housing, surviving climate chaos, abortion rights, healthcare, not dying in, you know, gunfire, like all of the things that majority of us agree on. It's like, no, no, no. Those are none of the issues. It's just going to be about Trump, 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 uh, who hates transgender people more. And like, yeah, do you like the buoys that Greg Abbott has erected on the border or do you want, you know, like also rabid dogs and like, you know, venomous snakes unleashed as well? Like, as we're just like. Crime too. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna hit that the crime rate is high, but they won't talk about the the reason why the crime rate is high. They will just talk about scaring people. That's what yes. they do. They scare people. You know, imagine working, you know, 12 hours a day at a factory and you don't ever get you never got to finish school. You, you go home every day. The only thing you get your information from is a little bit of news. And they keep telling you that they're coming for you. Yeah. You know, the, the immigrants are coming for you. The crime is coming for you. That it's it's all the time. So they got they're gonna hit the crime, they're they're gonna hit the crime beat and then you're gonna be yeah. yeah. So every time crime is mentioned, we take another shot. Yeah. I think the last thing, if you wanna be stone cold sober throughout this event, take a drink every time 
anyone mentions the pandemic. Because uh, that's never going to happen. And, and what's so interesting is that you come out of this, and I think it's politically universal across this, around the world. People want to move on. Nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. But you're, we're emerging from this once in a lifetime, we hope, event that has put the you know economy, healthcare, everything on its fucking back to say nothing of the million people who've died, you'd think in like any rational world, we'd first say, hey, how's everyone doing? How do we rebuild? How would you lead us through another horrible thing like this? How will you ensure this doesn't happen? To you know what I mean? Like, doesn't happen again. So I'd be very curious if we even hear anything about protecting us in the future you would have to care you would have to right. care about the people exactly you know? these are all agendas these are those are that's you saw them those are all just agendas up there and they are all there on behalf of the corporations in this country that run it there we go those are eight, eight different agendas <laughs> and every single one of them are there on behalf of you said company agenda nothing to do with the people Mostly fossil fuels, some big farm. I mean, everyone, everyone's got their particular backing. Ida Rodriguez, you're wonderful <laughs> as always. The book as you. is legitimate kid. I'm so excited to get this out on Thank October you. 17th, but available to pre-order now. That means you are the first one to receive it. Get it. Obviously, if you're a fan, if you're not a fan of Ida, you are will be very, very soon. Um, and I'll watch the special on HBO. Um, I know. if they get the book from you, if they get the book from here, Ooh, if they do got I get some? <laughs> oh, you, you, you'll get a book, but I'll sign them. I'll sign your, oh, I'll sign yay. your people's books. Wait, so. hell yeah. Okay. So, and what, if for people listening, I will put a link in the description, but where can we go? Is it your website to get it as well? Yes. And what I would encourage people to do is to please buy the books from the independent stores, mm -hmm. you know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, they're fine. Target is fine. Walmart is fine. But those independent bookstores that are owned by people of color, owned by queer people, owned by women, they could use the help. They did suffer a lot during the pandemic and have been struggling a lot, you know, in the last few years. So if you're going to order my book, I would encourage you to please order it. From it, it might cost a dollar more, but those independent bookstores could really use the push. Amen. And Ida performs and is still performing throughout the fall. And uh, you can go to her website, funnyida.com, to check her out. She's the best. So get the. How are you? I can't wait for us to work together again. I miss you. I know. I'm going to hit you up. I'm hitting you up now. But uh, thank you for being here. Be very, very well. Everybody get that book. Everybody get that book. Um, and. Wow, I uh, this is this is what I needed. I feel like maybe the caffeine finally worked, or I just got excited about our guests. But it's been so lovely. It's been real. And a few comments from uh, the Frantifa over here. I just like this comment from Todd Roy who said, "Bitch cap is a great idea for a drink late at night instead of a nightcap." Indeed. Um, Ariola Mamory on YouTube says fantastic francesca and a double dose of ida it's my lucky day uh yes because ida was on the damage report just recently which by the way i will be filling in for uh mondays and thursdays and then mondays and fridays in october 
so or September. So so stay on the lookout if you want more of me. Matt Gates on a white for Bronco. Thank you so much for being a member. Says what I wouldn't give for Greta Thunberg t- retweet or tweet PSA when Trump gets arrested. You f around, Donald. Now chill. Yeah. Oh God, Greta. Greta should just tweet the Time Magazine cover that he had photoshopped of himself. Just tweet that shit out when he. <laughs> she okay. Here's what you do, Greta. Greta. Listen to me, girl. I know you watch his show. So you tweet out a Time magazine cover, but with him in the courtroom being arrested. And I swear to God, you will ascend to a next plan. Like you're already on the like, I don't know where, but you will ascend even farther up. You will be a fucking deity. Um, Robert, thank you for your super chat. Tuesday, October 17th, the punchline, our chance for that one night stand with Matt and Franny, the stuff dreams are made of. Indeed, you said it. Everybody get your tickets. Um, Under Trader on Twitch, my daughter used to go from uh, UC Santa Cruz to Santa Barbara and it took 12 hours and two buses to use the train. Thank you, Under Trader, for explaining that. You guys, this is the distance of like a three-hour drive, okay? That is absolutely insane. Insanity. That that's how long it takes in this stupid state. Terrence Trumbo, thank you for being a member. All because they floundered for decades on having a high-speed rail just from L.A. to SF. Yeah, no, they were like, oh, God, we voted for it so long ago. Like, how about to Fresno? And you're like, how about you fuck yourself? Sorry. Um, uh, 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 Joel Elizia Lecchio Johnson, um, f- thank you for your super chat. Not a word about the Marines' toxic water poisoning at both Camp Pendleton and Camp Lejeune. Um, gonna look into it. I think that's a really important story. I didn't know about that. Uh, I've been away for a few days. I'm sorry. Uh, everybody look into that though. Jeremy Justice, thank you for your super chat. If I was Trump, I'd have my buddy Ice Cube ghostwrite a rap album for me and just title it Rico. Not a bad idea. I love how some of these old, these old boomer rappers are becoming MAGA. It's like, what? Robert says the ruling classes love the mad and the broken. That's where their best servants come from. Indeed. Brandy Nuance, doesn't Disney own the Muppets? Meatball Rob belongs to them. Meatball Ron, indeed. Yay, and Lorraine Hart just ordered Ida's book from a small local bookstore. Go Ida, much love to you both and Franny today. Thank you guys so much. Uh, And then Progressive Boomer, thanks for becoming a member. I love what you're doing. I'm looking forward to many more. Oh, yeah. you. There's way too many comments. I can't read all these, but these are great. um, Joel Elizaya also says, I have no respect for people who have no respect for others. Neither Biden or Trump spoke out about Abbott's or DeSantis's cruelty. That's true, dude. Uh, although the fact that Biden's DOJ is going to court over Governor Abbott's actions, I think is a, it's good. It's a step in the right direction. Small, 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 small step. Um, Schmegley on YouTube, one sip for every hundred wokes. Yeah, because one sip every woke and you would be, I mean, it would be alcohol poisoning within the first 30 minutes. Um, And Schmegley says, I don't want to live through this debate. Constraint Agency says, every time parents rights. Oh, yeah, we were way ahead of you. Anyway, thank you guys so much for being yourselves. We've got a great show next week as well. Um, Roberto Lovato is here again, and I believe Nato Green is going to be joining me. But to thank all the new members of the Frantifa and the Twitch subs, you know what it is. It's the fart song.
Thank you so much to new patrons at $10 or more. Paul, love you, Paul. Lady Funk T, thank you so much for being a member. You are generous as hell. Rural Lefty, what did I do to deserve your generosity and your love? That's for you, Rural Lefty. And then Tejas V Nagaraja, thank you so much. That is Teju or Tej for his friends. But I love you. You're wonderful. Thank you so much, Uh, everyone. I know why Tej became a member. It's because he got access to the discussion on China, which is very good. China. And Joel Elizai Alecchio Johnson also became a patron at $10 or more and got this shout out. And oh, man. okay, wait, I got to restart that again a little bit more. Let's go again. Because Charmed Chaos, uh, subscribe with Prime, resubscribe. Hope your vacay was refreshing. Um, Appreciate the stream and wish it could be more. Me too. Uh, Paper Dragon, thank you so much for resubscribing. Love your stream, Franny. Longtime fan from TYT. Keep up the great work. Much love to you. Thank you. And Onikazoku11, resubscribe with Prime. Thank you for your consistency, humor, and giving a damn. No problem. And finally, oh, we're starting over. (laughs) Oh, no, it's the same song. It keeps going. There's more farts. Rosalba14, resubscribe with Prime. 12 months. Happy birthday! Dance it out. Dance it out. Thank you, everybody. Um... And of course, thanks to Paige Omek, the producer. Thanks to Andy Vasoy and the editor. And thank you to Maximilian Inhoff for all of his help. We stream every Tuesday and Fridays for the bonus bish, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on all the socials, Bituation Pod on Twitter, fuck that place, Bituation uh, Room on TikTok and Instagram, uh, and then my handle at Franny Fio everywhere. And remember to fight the power, to fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it, be about it. Later.